Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the Falls Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I am Bruce. And today we're going to uh, talk about something Bruce finally got to do. He got to play Commander Legends Draft. It is about damn time. And I, I hear you. I hear you. Isn't this set made for Bruce? And uh, yeah, yeah. So we, we finally sat him down and strapped his legs to the chair and, and, and made him draft. Yeah. Right. Uh, for those who don't know, I... I'm a big multiplayer fan generally, mm-hmm. which is fairly obvious by the podcast. <laughs> um, but more importantly, I I love the idea of a multiplayer draft. Now, I'm not a big draft fan where you then break off and do one-on-one games uh, simply because, I think in large part, because I suck at drafting. Mm. Um, however, multiplayer drafts are a whole different thing. Anytime I get to draft and then break out into pods of four, Oh, yeah. oh, oh! I'm I am all about that, and my my entire play group has been about that for a very long time. So um, when the first conspiracy came out, mm-hmm. we literally were the target audience. There, there is just there's no denying it. Uh, I'm still convinced that I that I have done more commander drafts than a lot of people at Wizards who tested it. Conspiracy. Or sorry, conspiracy than a lot of people at Wizards who tested it. It was just um, we played a lot. Uh, cases worth. Oh my Not god. Boxes, cases Oof. worth of, of conspiracy. Um, I think it's probably the set that I'm. Yeah, I, am, I definitely have four ofs of every common, probably all of the uncommons. And I've got multiple copies of just about every rare in the set, I think. Oh, so, sick. Yeah. It was, it, we, we played a lot. Um, <laughs> and with Conspiracy 2 and with Battle Bond, we played less, but not that much less. Mm. Battle uh, Bond was definitely was, the hard one. Yeah. Of, of those three, I mean, the difficulty for Battle Bond is that you're playing in teams. So when you draft, you have to draft as either a four-person draft or an eight-person draft. Because you need the, right. the even numbers for the for the pairs. A six person draft is just not possible. Whereas mm. conspiracy, you could go from four all the way to eight. Yeah. And any number in between, you could do the draft. Now, obviously, like everything else, the ideal draft was going to be eight, but you could do it otherwise. So it meant that there were plenty of nights when we had five of us, and we were just like, nope, we're going to draft tonight. <laughs> and you'd pull out the box of conspiracy and draft up and draft that up. Maybe you'd switch it up so you'd each draft four packs so you'd see more cards. But however it was, um, like all the conspiracy drafts just meant that they were easier to draft. So we definitely drafted less battle bond than the others. Yeah. However, I love that style. I love the I love the way that plays out. I like the idea that you're you've just drafted your cards. It really equalizes the power level, mm-hmm. um, especially with a group when when you're in a play group like that, where we're all getting relatively the same amount of experience with the cards because we're all drafting at the same time. Right. So, uh, you know, I may have bought half of the cards we drafted, <laughs> but I drafted only as much as everybody else. There might have been a couple extra drafts when I went to a Gen Con or somewhere else, but. In the greater scheme of things, when we're talking about everybody drafting 18 times or something like that, um, one extra draft 
was not going to be the make or break as far as knowing how to draft it and, and getting yeah. the lock in on, on how to win these games. And on top of that, it also, you know, when you're playing multiplayer, if somebody did draft that really good deck, you've got three opponents that are now coming after you. Mm. So there's also that balance. And um, all of that really was was were things that I really liked about this and things that I was very excited to see in Commander Legends. Because once again, here we are with a set that's going to let you break up into pods to play. Yeah. And I think what I really liked about... I mean, what I like about multiplayer limited in general, and if... I mean, we've done a whole episode on it. Uh, so if you haven't heard that, go listen to that. But I think what I like the most about this is that it really shines a light on the the design of multiplayer through like wizards lens where it's yeah. like uh they have a significant higher a significantly higher number of cards as compared to a standard set that say you know and it, obviously this is kind of merging with more recent sets but uh you've got you've got cards that say all opponents or all players and right. um, whether uh, you know it's your duels that ta- come in untapped if you have more than one opponent or I mean you have plenty of things especially we saw a lot in, in Battle Bond at least kind of the start of this where um, you, like certain spells are more co- cooperative than uh, competitive so like you know you had the assist mechanic in right. battle bond or um i mean a little bit more recently strixhaven had that one card that's like oh you and another opponent each draw three cards yeah um so you kind of see wizards start to pull the strings on like all right well we're gonna head more vaguely in the direction of not mm-hmm. being so strictly two-player game right and i think um as we moved through the various sets, mm-hmm. uh, through these multiplayer sets, I think we started to see wizards start to understand uh, the the limitations and the strengths mm-hmm. of four player games. Uh, you know, you you if you're not paying attention and you create a draft format, then you're going you can very well be just stuck with a bunch of creature stalls where everyone's just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting for one card to do something, to, to break open the stall. And uh, you can uh, you can do, you know, you can create cards that aren't doing anything to help that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw wizards move forward. I mean, I, you know, the most obvious version is the monarch, mm. um, where it really does, uh, you know, emphasize the attack phase where you know and combat being a a relevant part of of these games um and it was and it's things like that where they um where they've obviously learned from the past Mm. where you know prior to that it was uh you know a lot more a lot more ground pounders a lot more um just it they they weren't pushing the combat aspect at all and when you don't push combat in a multiplayer game then you're getting four people who are sitting there waiting to combo um, <laughs> and at some point somebody breaks through with a combo uh, or or you get mass removal 
and then everybody just restarts. It's just not, it wasn't giving you the, the right, uh, a good feel for the games, um, but they got better and better. Oh, absolutely. Better and better at it, so. Um, the few times that I did end up playing Battle Bond, I really liked it um, for many reasons that we've mentioned previously. Um, but I think that it really, I think <clears throat> having played Commander Legends 1, I'm going to specify 1 because sure. yes. uh, I think 2 comes out Friday of release. So uh, that's exciting. Um, but Commander Legends 1, um, having played it a couple times, it I think one of the things that I like most about it is that it does solidify itself in being a draft format. So like um, one of the things that I like about draft, especially with Commander in mind, mm-hmm. is that you know, you sit down at a table, and you have to discuss, you know, like, oh, okay, like, this is the power level of this deck, and, it, like, this is, like, the ideal... Yeah, it takes it takes the rules the right. rule zero discussion out of out of play. Right, because it, it flattens it flattens the playing ground right. uh, for everyone, where, uh, you know, you're not worried about budget, you're not worried about, you know, who's playing yeah. whatever. Yes. Um, everyone starts with generally the same pool you're starting with three packs unknown to you right um and going from there um which is what i like about all limited formats but especially in this case where um coming from a commander background i know how frustrating it can be when certain synergies kind of keep looping and that's harder to do with uh with this the, the the downside to Commander Legends, and it's it's just I think it's unfortunate is that I think there were a whole lot of boxes that just got cracked, mm. uh, without without there being a draft just because of, yeah because of the pandemic. I mean, it <laughs> came just, out literally the worst time possible. Right, the one thing you really really can't do uh, when you're not in the same room with everybody else is draft. There's no way to pass those cards. So yeah. Um, so I think a lot of these a lot of these boxes just got cracked for the cards, which don't get me wrong, the cards are great. We'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk about some of them along the way here. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, my two boxes of Commander Legends sat sat downstairs in my basement for two years until I could finally <laughs> get a chance to play them. Uh, in spite of the fact that I was then buying single Commander Legends cards. Because I needed, I wanted one of the cards to do something or a commander or something like that. Right. But I wasn't willing to crack open everything to find all that the packs one. Yeah. that I had in the basement to find that to lo- to wreck, you know, to miss out on a draft moment. So, so they sat there, and uh, it's uh, to be fair, our group's a little smaller, so we probably wouldn't have drafted as much anyway. But. Um, I certainly would have. I certainly would have drafted earlier, and certainly would have drafted more often. Than, oh, definitely. Than we did get the chance to so far. So, and I think too, um, it's it's funny because I mean, as much as they sat there, you you did you did sneak a peek with a couple with a couple packs. Well, you know, uh, when you've got a stalking tiger and you've got <laughs> packs that hold twenty cards, what do you want? Uh, I, at some oh yeah, point, it's yeah, beautiful. I, I've got to uh, got to take a peek. Mm. So uh, so something that kind of 
through me when when we started drafting the cards was I came into it very much with a conspiracy draft mentality. Mm. Um, after you've drafted uh, Commander Legends and you've drafted Conspiracy, uh, the power level is just ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> conspiracy draft has virtually no power level at all in comparison. It's a much lower powered draft. So you go in with you know, knowing you really got to keep to the archetype if you want your deck to per, deck to perform, you have to. Uh, you really got to focus on the conspiracies. You need to focus on all of these little aspects if you really want the deck to hum. And even then, it's only humming at a five, say. <laughs> and you know, if people who don't know how to do the draft or who are a little behind on that kind of thing, they're looking at threes. Whereas Commander Legends, people who don't know what they're doing are still going to make a six or a seven. Mm. That's the sort of power level difference. And once you know what you're doing with Commander Legends, then you're looking at nines. Mm. Nines and tens in, in overall power level. To be fair, in the games that we played, I think my decks were a lot closer to seven both times. Nice. But um, it, it was just, uh, it was something that was very surprising to me. There were so many more options. Yeah. You know, you'd fan that pack open and it was just, there are so many good cards. There were so many good cards, <laughs> uh, especially early on when you weren't locked into a particular, oh, particular definitely. Uh, commander or commander pair or whatever. I think uh, even then though, like what's nice about, so like I think even if you do find your commander early on. Right. It's, it, no, uh, speaking from experience, it's very easy to... Uh, to force to force it. Sure. Um, you know it's harder to do it with the three color uh, commanders, but um, my first my first game or my first draft, uh, I forced red and blue because I wanted red blue pirates. Yeah. So like no, I guess knowing the the any of the archetypes going in kind of helps, but uh, I knew that red blue pirates was a thing, and I knew that. If all else failed, as long as I had a red commander and a blue commander, they didn't have to be pirates. Um, so having two picks per pack really helps kind of give signs. Right. Um, and I think that with that idea, it, it helps. It helps with what you were just talking about, where um, newer drafters, people who haven't drafted as much, can kind of dig their heels into what they want to do with their deck. Right. Um, now, having said that, mm -hmm. I will say that even after drafting it one time, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I went in without knowing any of the archetypes. But by the time I did my second draft, the whole aspect of it was just, I, I was dramatically improved. Hmm. Because I felt like I knew some of the archetypes. Whereas before I went in blind... And honestly, that first pack, you know, the first round was just, I was all over the place. I was just picking whatever, not paying any attention to arc, to even trying to figure out what the archetypes were. I was just looking at the cards and picking what I thought were good cards. And then eventually fell into a color pair <laughs> and still never really matched up the way, <laughs> maybe the way I should have. But what I really liked was that, yeah, there's, you know, you can, you can streamline into that into that particular archetype mm -hmm. but there were also other you know you could pick the offbeat commander 
and try something weird and funky mm. um, that really isn't a perfect mix with match with the archetype, but it would still make something that was kind of fun and, and offbeat. And oh, definitely. I, I like that as well. So it gave you plenty of options. You can choose... What I like most is that you can choose a commander that you think you would never play outside of this. Um, yeah. You know, like you can pick that... For instance, I could pick a Staxi commander and sure, um, kind of go well, that Stax. Yeah, it's a one-off. Uh, so you can you can play these weird archetypes that would normally, you know, normally your group would be like, or <laughs> or you, you know, it's not your style at all, and you're never going to build that commander because you know that you got to go through all the trouble of building it, sleeving it. Mm. You've got to take a couple of nights valuable nights when you could be playing a deck that you really love and you to try something different and if you don't like it then you're pulling it apart and, and then you have those done cards all that that work and then you have those cards you're never going to play right so it's nice with a nice with a draft set like this where yeah i'll pick a format i'll pick a an archetype that i don't normally play mm. uh and i certainly did that um <laughs> where you just try something completely different mm. um and it's also in formats like these where, um, you know, I generally try and avoid tutors because I don't want to see repetitive play in my decks. Well, this is a draft format. <laughs> I, if a tutor shows up, I'll take it. Yeah. Because why not? And you're playing with multiple, ver you can play with multiple copies of the same card. That's one of the different rules for for the Commander Legends draft. So you can, you can do that, but... You know, to be fair, your deck is sort of you know it's not going to be nearly as well tuned as any of your mm. as any of your you know the decks that you put together yourself. Um, but I feel like it's sort of all bets are off. I can try anything. Yeah, and I, I really like that. Definitely, I think uh, I definitely dipped my toe in some more spell slingery things that mm -hmm. um, have led me to build more spell slingery type decks outside of this right. and uh it's it's definitely it's an interesting thing um ryan from cco always says like oh like games are fleeting like so like if a game goes poorly it's fine there'll be another one you know like right it, but like th this especially like this is fleeting. Yeah. if you are doing something outside of your comfort zone and it's really making you uncomfortable like like oh like i can't believe that i played uh, I got nothing. Uh, like if it's making you uncomfortable, it'll be done soon. Like right. it's it's fine. Um, and so mm -hmm. that that's what I like about this format, uh, especially. Uh, and it it makes me really excited for Commander Legends too. Right. Uh, so, um, one of the things that I really noticed about this draft that struck me as being different from a lot of the other multiplayer drafts. Mm -hmm. You're building a commander deck. And in the greater scheme of things, that may not sound like a whole lot. But the level of restriction that it adds with both... Uh, you know, Wizards clearly looked at this and said, okay, they're building commander decks, so we need to put a lot of legends in here. And they did that in spades. There's tons and tons and tons <laughs> of them to the point where I don't really believe it's much of a restriction. Um, in your deck building. I think the real restriction comes with there is no splash. Mm. 
so many draft decks that we build you you know you're focused around two color you know you get to the point where you're focused on two colors and then this card comes around and you're just like wow and you <laughs> i you can't add not that, play it <laughs> i can't not play this so you add it to your deck because that's your splash and then you just build your mana base and make sure you can play that card mm-hmm. well this is these are commander decks yeah you're not going to splash that card. There's mm-hmm. no way to splash the card. There's no such thing as splash. Uh-uh. Your commander is whatever colors you've chosen. So now when you get to that draft and you see that card that you really want to splash, well, now you've got the choice. Are you just going to take it from an opponent because you can't play it? <laughs> or are you going to pick or are you going to pick the card, you know, the best card in the deck for or best card in this pack for your deck? Mm. And it's it brings a real interesting twist to things because suddenly those splash cards are not nearly as valuable as they would be in the past. You know, in the past, if you're looking at a pack of eight cards and there's a splash card and you're thinking to yourself, is that really going to make it all the way around to me? No. So I'm going to pull it. Whereas in this one, it doesn't matter. <laughs> all you're looking at are the other colors that really you have and then making a decision, is there something else that I really don't want an opponent to have? Right. And when you consider half of the opponent, half of the people that could pick that card are not going to be people you're playing against. <laughs> it it makes it a very it gives a very strong reluctance to to block somebody from getting that card. I mean, let them put it in their deck and hope you don't face that person. Yeah, and honestly, if you're coming across that card in like like pack two, right? Maybe. Maybe take it. I mean, like if it's something that you want to play, like you could potentially, right? I mean, get if it's something your that's third good. color. And if it's yeah. something that's good, if you're in pack two, you might be able. You may yet switch. Mm. It was interesting to me how with the regular draft, a splash card has a certain value, and then when you can't include a splash card in your deck, suddenly that card's value goes down, mm-hmm. and then it becomes even you're even more reluctant to, to to pick that card because you know you're not going to play it. So, Or the likelihood that you're not going to play it. I mean, maybe you do switch, but um, it was just... It was something that I really noticed mm. uh, in the draft. So, Before we get too specific yeah. about our, our drafting experience, let's throw it over to a, a commercial break, uh, and then we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Foil Jeweled Lotus. Oh, yeah. Because I'm that guy. I got it in the box. Yeah. Back to you, Andy. Now we're back. Uh, Commander of Legends sure is fun. Something something we haven't touched on yet was uh, you, br- you brought this up uh previously it might have been in the scrapped episode uh (laughs) but the cool thing with commander legends is that there's so many artifacts um like colorless cards yes um and that really helps with the like kind of filling out the deck yeah i Um, i know i mean I i just talked about how you're you'll be reluctant to take a uh uh, a splash card because you're not going to be able to splash it into your deck. Mm. However, um, especially once you've locked, uh, the average deck is going to be a two color deck. Once you've locked into your two colors, then arguably 
three-fifths of the packs are going to be filled with cards that you are never going to use. But they lean it, they really lean into the artifacts. And it just means, I mean, every artifact can go in any deck. Mm. So it gives you that alternate option. Um, and it, I found it very interesting because there was more than once when I looked at it and thought, I can pick the two cards that are in my color or I can take the artifact and one card in my color and hope the other one comes around. And I did that quite often when it was uh, a card that had, say, two, two, co- you know, two colors or two colored pips mm-hmm. in the mana cost because, well, no one's even thinking about, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll just take that off to the side a little bit. Um, so it worked out fairly well i got a couple of cards that came right around the table with like that but yeah um, so i guess a tip for for those who haven't played this uh you know don't don't be afraid to grab those artifacts they definitely go earlier than than normal because i mean absolutely they do uh because whether it's because people don't have their colors set or whatever or i think the biggest thing is that if you get a pack that has only artif- or has artifacts and then off-color cards, you're picking the artifacts anyway. Right. So go for artifacts early. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what I what I like too with with not being able to splash is that when you inevitably get those cards off-color, you're gonna have a much easier time cutting them from your deck, right. which is always the hardest part for me. Yeah. To like figure out, all right, what do I? What do I cut? Right. Um, So anything off color is pretty easy. I think the other thing that we noticed, Mm -hmm. uh, and I will be interested to see how this goes with Baldur's Gate because I uh, will see we'll see how it pans out. But um, there were, I went into this with the knowing that I had to build a commander deck, Mm -hmm. and knowing I need to have command, I needed to have a commander, or else I was going to have to take one of the uh, the prismatic piper. one of the prismatic pipers to fill out my the colors mm. so at least for the first pack or so i think i overvalued commanders i gave them you know i treated them as though they were better cards than a lot of the other cards in the set and i think i picked at least early on i picked a couple of commanders thinking if i'm gonna go into that at least not, now i'll have the commander i won't have to worry about it mm. There was no reason to worry. No. No. There were so many commanders. Uh, I don't believe anybody in either of the drafts that we did uh, even came close to needing any of the Prismatic Pipers that were that were pulled. I mean, uh, it was just... Uh, there were so many commanders, and so many of them had partner, <laughs> that... If you had a, you know, if you were looking at any two colors, you know, give it, give it three or four draws and eventually you were going to see a commander of that color. Now, maybe it wasn't the best one for that color, but it worked out. I mean, you could then end up playing that color. Right. And in (laughs) both of my drafts, I had different choices of what I was, what I could use as my commander. Mm. Uh, Just because I had drafted repeated, you know, more than one copy of it. Um, I mean, at one, I think for my second deck, I drafted uh, two different mono blue partner cards and one mono red partner. 
And then I also had a blue-red commander as well. Hmm. So I had all kinds of options. And I, I just, it was not out of, that was not an unusual thing. I didn't, and for the second draft, I didn't pull them until um, it was late in the second pack. And then I got another one in the third pack just because I thought it would go well in the deck. And yeah. it also gave me that second option. So I think that might be where... Um being somewhat experienced in draft would come in handy because I like I don't see anybody that we drafted with even coming close to using a prismatic piper right um and uh I think with that it it kind of I I wonder the circumstances in which you would um I think mm-hmm. there's probably there's like two off the top of my head that I can think of one being somebody at your table recognized the signals you were sending and cut you off of that color for whatever reason. Right. Which, eh, eh. the second being, you're not reading everybody else's signals and you're drafting the same deck three other people are. Right. Um, So, like, it's it's very tough because, like, you are just being bombarded with with legendary creatures. Um, And I think... Uh, because you are being bombarded, like it's easy to just kind of either wait or like you know, like oh, like I could really use this commander, yeah. just grab it early and then and yeah. then move on from there. I really felt like with the prismatic pipers mm-hmm. um, that in the end I was going to use them more, uh, more to partner partner them with one of the early partner cards mm. in out of the command out of you know the commander de- the commander decks so okay. the two color partners from from a ways back with the idea being timna how cool would timna be with a third color mm. that wasn't one of the timna colors uh you know take your pick with any of those and i appreciate that a lot of people will just you know no, I'm pairing Timna with this with this other hugely powerful partner, right? And to get a super deck, like yeah, that's great. How cool would it be to do a, a black, red, white, white vile smasher? Mm. And now you can. Um, what I later realized, especially after I was sorting the cards, was if you really want to do that, then use one of the white partners. Mm. There's um, like two or three of them at least yeah and they, they're all you know, uncommon a lot of the uncommon ones you know your partner gets some benefit right or your commanders get some kind of benefit you know whatever I, mm-hmm. i'm not going to try and pull it out of my head <laughs> but um which makes it again better than just you know having this card and and setting it up but um it was certainly an option that initially that i thought was half the reason for it in the end i don't i don't feel like uh you know unless you're doing something truly weird with your commander decks i don't know that you're really going to be using the prismatic piper very much yeah Um, but because i think yeah it's there just in case i think you know all else fails use just a different legend in that color Um, right but i guess i understand that there is a small chance that that may not happen. Like maybe you don't have that color commander, which sure. Um, 
but I think I think the prismatic piper ended up just kind of being there as like a way to not be like terrified and anxious during the draft, yeah. like knowing that that is there as a fallback, right? To to have a plan that you can just enact if need be. Uh, you don't have to worry about like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I, I'm not yeah. getting my color, um, right? But uh, it it seemed to have been all for naught, really. Um, yeah. And and I'm I'm interested to see what they end up doing with Commander Legends too. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even at time of recording, they've they've announced most of the set. I really haven't been looking too much into. Uh, the details but right uh i'm excited yeah um let's talk specifics so my first draft um i forced pirates so i just kept gobbling up pirates as they came i picked any card that said pirate on it you know pirates cut list whatever um i wanted to do pirates and knowing that you know you've got malcolm you've got uh breaches you've got dargo you've got uh captain vargas wrath or something like that yeah uh you've got the one lady that flies and steals things out of your hand to hit you with it and then give it back to you i can never remember her name don't remember her name's like dana or something Anyway, uh, and then I think there. I think that one of I think. I think Beckett Brass is one of the the rare commanders in that set, but I think it's like an etched foil rare. Right. Um, but ooh, speaking of which, real quick, mm-hmm. the etched foils are spectacular. They just look awesome. I realized the regular foils curl up. And yeah, my regular foils did curl, not too bad, but they did. Mm. Uh, but the etched foils, they don't curl, and they just look amazing. They just stunning. I really liked it. Yeah. All right. Sorry. It's fine. Right back to you, Andy. I uh, I I remember coming up to pack three, being like, okay, I do have a red commander and I do have a blue commander, but I would love for them to be pirates. Granted, you know, my wish came true when I got Malcolm and Breaches, and it was. It was a mighty fine, excuse me, mighty fine deck. Lots of interaction, a lot of fun to just like really play into that campiness of pirates in my pod. Uh, very swingy. Uh, lots of times right. that I was the threat, and then oh, yeah. and then very much not so. Very quickly, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, and I think what that kind of is the result of it's it's the result of i mean like all the monarch cards there's a yeah. lot that are pirate themed which is great but also like it's everywhere it's everywhere in this set yeah they pushed they pushed the monarch hard and i think in part because they really wanted to make sure that there was plenty of combat. They, mm. want, they want people turning their creatures sideways so they're not creating these massive creature stalls. So, um, yeah, it was... Yeah, there was a lot of Monarch. And I love it. Yeah. Um, honestly, there were times that people in my pod uh, made the decision to attack any given player if they had the Monarch. 
Like there were times that I wasn't the threat, but I was the monarch, so I was being attacked. Sure. And it was amazing. It was fantastic. Card, yeah, because the card draw was just there. You wanted it. Um, and the best thing, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very big about this statement, but the best thing that came out of so much monarch were the courts. Uh, right. And I, I I love that they took the idea of a monarch and used a lot more modern and newer recent i guess uh sensibilities and kind of paired them together you know we've got things like blood tokens we've got things like food tokens um and i mean even to an extent treasure tokens where they if they're used in a certain way or you know some creatures are like oh if you have x number of whatever then x happens um, right so, like, these three types of tokens are, are generally being used uh, in more than just what they say on them. Um, for instance, the, the whole the cauldron familiar food. Yeah. You sack a food to get it back out of the graveyard. Cool. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of things like that. Guillaume, uh, yeah. you sack food or something and makes things indestructible. Yeah. Um, and... What I love about the cycle of courts is that it takes that sensibility and uses it on the monarch. So it's, you know, the court cycle is something happens at the beginning of your upkeep. But if you're the monarch, it's like a more. <laughs> right. For instance, court of ire, it, yeah. you deal two damage, you shock, target. Um, if you're the monarch, you deal seven instead. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. Um, it really, it really incentivizes your, it really incentivizes your opponents to attack you, right? Um, and if you've got a, a pretty sturdy board state already, then you're going to be dealing seven to something, right? I had a game recently. I had Court of Ire out. I think it went around three or four times before I lost the monarchy. Uh, granted, it might have been because I got it out so early, but never, never a bad thing. Uh, no, no, never a bad thing. But, and that's the sort of thing that was running. I, I mean, it was it was almost comical to me because there were a number of times when, during the games, when I had a card that would make me the monarch, mm. uh, and I just held it, <laughs> like, no, I'm currently the monarch. I can play this creature out to protect myself so that I can continue to be the monarch, or I can just wait because somebody's gonna take it. Yeah. And then I'll just take it right back, just just by playing the creature that makes me the monarch. Um, and it was there are so many there were so many cards in the set, so that quite often that was a good way to become the monarch was just simply to play one of the cards that makes you the monarch, as opposed to trying to get in to do combat damage. Um, but uh, yeah, when you get a cards like like Court of Ire or any of the courts, mm. you got to go after that person. Oh, absolutely. That you cannot let them. They cannot be allowed to hang on to that. Yeah, at worst, player upkeep. removal. <laughs> right. You, you just, you make it work. So, um, it was, uh, I thought that was a, a pretty good, uh, you know, a pretty good setup. Yeah. The way things worked, so. Because what's better than drawing a card at the end of turn? Literally anything in addition to it. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're just getting a bonus. Yeah. Um, and it allows them then to change the mana costs on them to mm. do all sorts of other things 
<clears throat> and then you can, and you know, then you get into areas where it's, uh, if you're not the monarch, here's a bonus, mm. or here's a, you know, something that happens that can help you get the monarch back, or, or whatever. And I love that Wizards went down that path and started looking at that kind of those kind of cards as well. So it was very nice. So to date, you have drafted Commander Legends one. Yeah. Twice. Yes. Um, do you have any? Do you have any stories? That's um, what we're about here. Is to be fair, my uh, the first draft, mm-hmm. I had a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to pick some cool cards, uh, and I remember very little about the game itself. <laughs> uh, it, we had a lot of fun. It just it wasn't one of those. I mean, I didn't win the game, and it wasn't a game that really stuck out to me as you know. In that particular, was that the one where we broke up into groups of three? Probably. Because I know in the second one we played, we definitely broke up in groups of three. Because it was you yeah. and me and Kyle. Right. Um, the first one could have been three. Um, I think it was, I think we had... Because we had ten for that one, didn't we? Yeah, so we... So it was three, I think three, we had ten four? for both, probably. Maybe. We definitely had ten for the second one. I'm trying to remember... Um, I'm trying to remember who I used as a commander for that one. My first one, was I forced so. Mono Red. Yeah. Um... Which apparently I didn't need to do because nobody else was drafting red at the table. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, which is interesting to note because I think I would have... I I should have seen a lot better card selection for mono red if I was the only person drafting it. But things probably got picked up here and there and then some yeah. probably decided not to play red. Yeah. Um, you, I think you went blue out flyers. You're right, I did. Um, yes, because I used Essior and uh, who was my white commander? I don't remember. I know your second, the second game you chose Essior and Dargo. Um, because I remember you were chipping in early with Essior. Yeah, and I had a couple other options as well. But yeah, the blue white flyers and it worked well. Um, mm-hmm. The I mean, it was effective. It just wasn't as effective as it could have been. I uh, I overcommitted a couple of times because I felt like I had to, and then got burned. But um, hey, it happens. Yeah, in the greater scheme, it was a good game, and I enjoyed the draft. So that <laughs> that was all that really mattered. Um, the second. Uh, well, the second game was a little different. The second draft was a little different. Um, and honestly, that draft uh, was the biggest inspiration for this episode. Yeah. So with the second draft, um, we worked it out and we didn't have enough cards. Stupid we stalking tiger. Enough, we didn't have enough Commander Legends cards. Uh, I was more than just one pack short. Mm. Um, but we looked at it and decided, okay, so if we do... If everybody gets two packs of Commander Legends, mm-hmm. then we need to throw something else in. Given the scenario and given the uh, a gift of conspiracy, of a box of conspiracy, uh, it just made sense to use conspiracy cards. Mm. So we opened up that box, or had we already opened it, I don't remember, but um, what we did was everybody got two packs of Commander Legends, 
and everybody got two packs of conspiracy. But when we opened them, we opened uh, Commander Legends first, then both of the conspiracy packs. So, so you nice open them 30 both, card. a 30-card pack, basically shuffled it all up and treated it as though it was one Commander Legends pack. And then we finished the draft with another Commander Legends pack. So what this ended up meaning was uh, conspiracies came into play. Um, there were The second pack maybe not as strong, uh, but it also didn't have as strong an artifact theme. So there were a lot more cards of, of the colors that you were looking for if you knew what colors you were in mm. based on that. Um, the draft also meant that if you were uh, cutting a color because that's the color you were picking in the first pack, it was unlikely that your opponents were then going to start picking that color in conspiracy <laughs> because the conspiracy packs just aren't as strong. The creatures aren't right. as strong. The cards aren't as strong. So it uh, it really weakened weakened the ability of you know players on that side to do anything about what you were doing. So if you were cutting a color hard, they weren't really going to get back at you because you weren't really losing out a whole lot. But um, honestly, that the double conspiracy pack was more about uh, messing with the draft. Right. Yeah, and all the conspiracy cards that go with that. And you could also just... Um, uh, what else was there? Um, yeah, it was between the conspiracy cards and just everything else conspiracy draft does with letting you pick extra cards and doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was... I think it, it really... It was... It was such an enjoyable experience, if only because it's like a once in a lifetime thing. <clears throat> oh yeah, I yeah, mean, it was bizarre. It it's was, well bizarre it, in a really good way, right? Know. It's just up our alley, where yeah. it is for the social aspect of yeah. it. Granted, we started at eleven p.m., so like There's that. you know anything goes, uh, and uh, because we had this Frankenstein's monster of a of a draft experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to make some rules on the fly. Right. Such as having two packs as your middle pack. Um, and, uh, you know, cogwork librarian type things where it's like, all right, so like, you know, th- it essentially takes place of a, pi- a pick. Yeah. Does it take place of two picks or does it take place of one? Um, like, because you're taking yeah. two out of each pack. Right. And I think we ended up saying that it only takes one because, like, yeah, I mean, I so. you have to keep the number of cards the same and right. so on and so forth. And it it ended up uh, making these really weird calls where, like, w- like why why would anybody ever think that you had to think of this this way? Yeah. Um, and it it just uh, it definitely solidified more of like what I love about multiplayer draft where you like I don't know like it just it's it's so kitchen tabley of you know we had 10 people sitting around a table at 11 p.m. to draft this made up format to then I mean two of the games got done so like I mean we probably finished drafting around midnight two of the games finished by one I think the last game finished by like two thirty. Yeah, two thirty or three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And these were three player games mm. because we had nine of us playing. Oh, nine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we. I mean, our game finished relatively quickly. Mm. 
Um, I mean, when you cascade into three scaled worms, it's going to end quickly. Yeah. Whether it's in that person's... Uh, in that in their favor or not. Yeah. Uh, I think, unfortunately for Kyle, Sorry, we Kyle. ended up... Yeah, I think we ended up stealing those scaled worms and yeah. flinging them or something. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean amazing uh, just amazing place yeah. where like why would you scale why would you cascade into a scale worm, or how would you cascade into a scale worm otherwise um right yeah so it was it was a blast yeah uh highly recommend just throwing together weird formats like that um because i mean after all they are similar like they're they're focused on multiplayer experience they're focused yeah. on somewhat draft matters. I mean, obviously, conspiracy is more draft matters, but um, I'd, lo- I'd love to see what it would be like to maybe in that middle pack do a battle bond or something. Granted, battle bond has more of the cooperative feel, but um, when it comes down to it, uh, when command when Baldur's Gate comes out, mm. it's going to be a question. I think the first question in my mind is going to be can you draft them together mm. will that work you know are we looking at archetypes that are significantly different than what from one to from one uh from commander legends to Baldur's gate or are we looking at uh you know what what would stop that from working mm. because i mean i'm no fool but you know yeah i'm gonna draft Baldur's gate at least once just with just by itself mm-hmm. but at some point i'm gonna have two half boxes <laughs> of these two sets and it's just gonna make sense to mix and match yeah so uh, what i'm excited for for Baldur's gate is that like they have kind of learned from partner as a mechanic it just kind of is busted uh yeah and especially if you continue add adding to it right like it adding to it will never bring the power level of partner down no. No. Uh, so they're like adding in kind of like you're partnering with an enchantment right um, now I haven't looked at the set Yeah. can you partner with an enchantment that's not the same color as your commander I think that's the idea Okay. Um, I think the idea is to, that's how they're going to that's how you do the, the two yeah. color or three color mm-hmm. um, so it would be interesting to mix a partner set and uh, I forget what it's called background. Uh, yeah, but um, I'm I'm trying to st- keep my hands out of the the previews as much as possible, just so that I can go into the draft experience being like, whoa. But I know from what I've seen, it is a bit higher. It's it's splashy big big boomy plays but like for a lot of mana and that's what i'm really excited to see um because it's it's not quickening things right uh and i think overall that'll be beneficial to the to the health of the format i agree um so i can't wait for commander legends 3 i can't wait for (laughs) battle bond 2 i can't wait for conspiracy 3 um yeah yeah keep them coming yeah keep please please do and i think that uh the 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 popularity uh of even commander legends 
withstanding the circumstances, uh, I, I think really goes to show how passionate the commander community is and probably showed wizards that it's a good product. Keep, keep it coming. Um, got anything else? I think that's it. I think so too. We need to uh, we need we need to get go, go play some magic. We gotta go play some magic. Uh, so uh, that that'll do it. That'll do it for us tonight. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Um, we're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Uh, Friday. Baldur's Gate comes out, I think, if I did my math right. And, uh, Friday, Friday, Friday! I'm so excited! Yeah! We're on a Friday that's several weeks farther out than you're hearing it right now, but yay, Friday! <laughs> and it'll be another, probably a week before we actually get to draft it, but at least. So, uh, <clears throat> anyway... Thank you again for listening. Have a great night. And may your fifth land be the temple. Bye. Bye. Wait, wait. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at Mana Burned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!